The first reading is taken from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly, as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. The second reading is taken from 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord, Always be ready to make your defence to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, so this morning we begin a new uh, series, uh, Surprise the World, based on the book Surprise the World, uh, talking about five habits of highly missional people. Uh, that is, people that are uh, doing what Jesus called us to do. He, Go and make disciples of all nations is the calling and commission of Jesus and the response for us as a church, is to go out and do it. I wonder if you've thought about Christians much and this topic <laughs> surprised the world and whether we as Christians are actually really that surprising. Does anyone think we're surprising? I, I, I feel like you can look around Melbourne and you can see the Bible Belt and the Bible Belt has slowly moved uh, along with the affordability of, of, <laughs> of middle class uh, within Melbourne, uh, as Christians, we kind of tend to sit in the middle. Like, that's kind of what we tend to do. In terms of being surprising, I'm, I'm not sure that that's something we tend to do as Christians. I, I think we try and be nice. And a lot of the worlds would, would look at Christians and say, they're, they're nice people, but are we surprising? And so in this series, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that and what that might look like. When we, we think of mission and that commission from Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, well, I wonder how we do with that. Because for me, evangelism is the thing we uh, know we're meant to do, <laughs> but don't. Uh, it's the thing that where we think, you know, there's this great pressure on us to achieve, but we don't. Uh, evangelism to is to bring the good news. Who can tell me a good coffee shop near where they live? Uh, I'm sure anyone who likes coffee here can tell me where a good coffee shop is. And even if you don't like coffee, you've probably heard from someone who knows where a good coffee shop is, right? 
That's good news for me. There's good coffee shops in the area. It's good news for me when people tell me where I can find good coffee because I like to find good coffee. And so we actually, we do share good news with other people. Oh, if you've seen this bargain, you need to go and get this from Aldi. It's on the specials list this week. I've heard that one before. Uh, there's lots of good news that we will share with each other, but the good news in particular that we're called to share as Christians is the good news about Jesus. And we know it to be good news, but I think in some ways we're out of practice with sharing the good news. Uh, in some ways we feel the pressure to be the kind of person that stands on the platform and, and shares good news. This is a friend of mine, and I won't say who it is, so you can't look him up. But what the world sees when they see Christians sharing good news is someone like my mate. Uh, hand up, uh, boldly proclaiming it. What we see uh, when we think about someone sharing the good news is coming, kind of someone like that. And, and we look and go, that's not me. Or we look and we go, I don't want to be that. <laughs> and the role of an evangelist is to be a bold proclaimer of the Word of God. To, to stand, to be willing to be a fool for Christ. To boldly proclaim before unbelievers the way of salvation. But we're not all evangelists. In Scripture, it talks about how an evangelist is a gift to the church. Uh, for the purpose of training and equipping the church for the task of evangelism. While we're not all evangelists, we're not all God's gift in that way to train and equip and be bold proclaimers of the gospel, that's, that's not my gift. I'm not an evangelist as my core gifting. We're all called to evangelism. That is to bring the good news about Jesus uh, in a way that is uniquely us and true to who he is. So, so when we look at uh, the Bible, what we see is gifted evangelists, those who are called uh, to proclaim with clarity the gospel, uh, those who look uh, with alertness for opportunities to give that bold proclamation, whether it's uh, preaching on the street or uh, boldly going up to people and sharing good news with them. It's, it's that bold proclamation. And when someone is doing that sort of thing, it's kind of wired into their identity. Someone that is uh, more likely to be an evangelist is the kind of person that is a person that would spruik sales in things. The, the person that tells you about the, the latest coffee shop and tells strangers about the best place to go get coffee is likely the person that's wired to be an evangelist. Now, that may be some of you. Some of you may be latent evangelists that haven't yet been unlocked. And so one of the roles of the evangelist is to unlock people into their gifting so that more evangelists will be raised up. And so that's a priority for the church, to have evangelists. But then all of us are called to be evangelistic believers. That is, we share of our faith, the good news that we know. Uh, so with prayer and watchfulness, uh, with wise socializing, it says here, so as in looking for opportunities intentionally to uh, bring good news to others and then gracious answers to the questions that people have, gracious reasons for the hope that we have as we share it with others. So while all of us may not be gifted evangelists, all of us are called to evangelism. So uh, I loved how you prayed about the, the wonder 
and the glory of God in the universe. Because I read a really interesting article about how we are not bored by these kinds of things in the same way. You see, I think we're overexposed to uh, this sort of thing in this world to such a degree that we're not stopped in our tracks in the same way by the beauty and wonder of creation. What the world used to look uh, to or used to look for was this kind of awe and wonder stuff. And people were amazed in a way that they're not amazed uh, these days. These days people are overloaded with stuff that used to produce awe and wonder. Uh, we live, I've set up there, in a post-truth world. What, what does that mean? Uh, people no longer hold that there is one thing that is true. They say, you believe this to be true. Well, I believe this to be true. And we sort of meet in the middle of people aren't wanting to find out the truth because people at one level don't have confidence that there is a the truth these days. So in a post-truth world, awe and wonder is discovered actually in the ordinary. People are looking for a life worth living, the, the good life for uh, people that live in a way that is attractive and different to what they do. Uh, what the world needs to see is our lives lived uh, transparently before them in a way that invites them to know a love that they're not finding elsewhere. What the world needs to see is everyday believers, not just bold proclaimers from a stage that can share with you truth, but actually everyday believers that convince them that the truth that is boldly proclaimed is real, it's livable, and it's life-changing. What the world needs to see is us as we live our kind of ordinary lives as Christians in a way that's different to the way that they experience and know life to be. The church needs evangelists. We need to raise up people with that sort of gifting. And in August, I've arranged someone to come for a couple of weeks who is gifted as an evangelist to train and equip us in ways that I can't because I'm not an evangelist. But we also need evangelism. You see, an evangelist, can, most people are connected to five to ten people uh, on a close sort of relational basis. Uh, an evangelist can be connected to a group of people but all of you are connected to five to ten people at least every week and if we're equipped in a little way that we can organically share a little bit of the good news that we have and it's not every day but it's every opportunity and it's uh, not every conversation but when conversations come up and questions are asked we're ready and positioned to have words that we can share uh, we need to be actually equipped for evangelism because if you don't do it it's really hard when you do it when you when you don't know how to share good news with people and you're not doing it often uh, it's really hard when opportunity comes up and uh, if, if I put someone on the spot here, I, I'm sure you could stumble out some words that sounded vaguely Christian, but they may not be particularly convincing. And so part of the work that we need to do is get to get better at sharing where our hope is at, uh, to get less awkward about it. Because most of the time when you have a face-to-face -face conversation with someone, you're not awkward. 
Uh, if you're put in front of a crowd and told to be an evangelist to them, you, you would be awkward. But in a face-to-face, you're gen- most people are generally not awkward. And we can have a conversation. And the more we get over awkward, the better we can be evangelists uh, or lower E evangelists, not big E evangelists in the everyday. Uh, see, the world needs to see a life worth living that raises questions about what they're living for. In the way that we live in life and the, the way that we prioritize in this world, the, this world needs to see that it's different. The Christians aren't just uh, average people who make the best of life and seem to live like kind of a middle class in the middle life that's uh, generous towards the poor and yet not overly concerned about money. People don't need to, to see just Christians that say, I go to church on Sunday. People need to see Christians that live in a way that changes their perspective over maybe this God thing, maybe this Jesus thing is something for more than people that just turn up to church on Sundays. Uh, the, the journey for, for us is a journey uh, up towards God, uh, in towards each other, and outward towards the world. Uh, up in the if you as, as a Christian, as you read Scripture, as you turn up on Sunday, I will be expecting for you that uh, at least two or three times a year uh, you come to a place where you more deeply understand who God is, have grown in your love, believe that He is good news for you. And as you, uh, in yourself, discover that, that God is good news for you, you have good news to share. So I will be expecting in your journey up towards God, you discover something new that you have to share with other people or, or you rediscover something you already knew. And so you have good news to share. We need a journey upward. We need a journey inward. We, we need a community that people want to be part of. And so one of the reasons we have lunch once a month is to build that uh, inward connectedness, the, that sharing of life. And, and we can continue to increase that. The coffee thing we're doing monthly is one of the ways we're doing it. Uh, that's something we need to continue to do is share life together, share the ups and downs and difficulties of life together and then taking that step of boldness to in our relationships in this world be outwardly Christian, share the hope that we have, live in a way that causes people to ask questions. Uh, we're going to talk about habits and the habits we're talking about from Surprise the World are these here, to, to bless, eat, listen, uh, learn and be sent people. Uh, that as we bless people, they will see the generosity of God expressed through us. That, that we will be, uh, as Christians, generous in a way that is surprising to the world. Uh, Non-Christians know that we, we give to the poor. But what about when you start blessing the people around you? We're going to talk about that uh, next week. Uh, when people see an unusual gener- and thoughtful generosity, it raises questions. Uh, when we are hospitable, when we eat with people and invite others to eat with us, uh, that's something that Jesus calls us to. We're going to talk more about what it looks like to have the habit of being hospitable. Uh, I know 
uh, so many homes these days, it, the, like the new uh, homes that you pick from the, the catalogue and have built, have these amazing kitchens, they have butler's pantries most of the time these days, they have amazing eating spaces, and yet I know many of these homes become suburban fortresses where no one's entertained in, where, when they, they look and are designed so well for entertainment, yet hospitality is uncomfortable for us. But hospitality doesn't have to always look like us inviting someone to our home. Sometimes it looks like inviting someone to one of these good places for coffee and shouting them a coffee, blessing them. And so hospitality can look like that. But uh, that's a habit that needs to be part of our missional engagement with the world. Listening. That is learning to listen to what God's up to. There's so much opportunity out there. But what, what's the opportunity that God wants us to pursue? We're going to sp spend a week thinking about how do we listen to God and be spirit-led as his people, as a way of life. And how do we learn? That is, how do we grow to be more Christ-like? Not just learn about Jesus, uh, not just learn uh, on a Sunday what, what it means to follow Jesus or what we might do, but actually put it into practice, learn and, and it's in that learning that we grow in good news. And then how can we be a, a, a sent people? A people that are gathered here in on a Sunday to give praise to God upwards and then go out into the world with a purpose to bring his good news to the world. How can we be a sent people? But what about when they ask questions? Always be prepared to give an answer. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Why do you do what you do? Be prepared. And, and here he says, be prepared, because actually sometimes uh, to give these answers, we need to have thought through why we do what we do, and also have already talked with others and say, this is why I do what I do. And then the, the third time, the fourth time you say, this is why I do what I do, it's easy because you've thought through it yourself. As people ask difficult questions about God and life and evil, have an answer. If uh, you want resources, one of my key gifts is resourcing people, finding resources and resourcing people. Ask me, Randall, this is a tough question I'm thinking about. What can I read? Uh, where can I go in Scripture? How can I think about this thing? And, and that's something I would love to do to help you uh, give these answers in a way that's accessible and, and reasonable uh, to people. Uh, it instructs us to do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, so keeping a clear conscience. Uh, I think in the past, uh, the church has maybe not done well necessarily at giving hope with gentleness and respect. Uh, keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. That is also, uh, we, we live with integrity in life. So that's living questionable lives that, although people may want to say, oh, you Christians, you always do this. We, we actually live out what we believe with integrity in a way that God will give us honor and praise uh, in, in the day. I think the, the, the main question for me as I think about us being a, a people that surprise the world is, will I bear the cost? Will I bear the cost? Will we 
bear the cost. Uh, one of the things that's been uh, reverberating around in my head uh, this last few weeks is the idea of the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, I've drawn a little illustration if, to help you understand the sunk cost fallacy as an idea. Uh, it's a false idea that uh, the things that we hold on to in life, the things that we invest into, the things we put our money into, are things that we uh, need to hold on to. And because we've sunk so much cost into that. And so we, we're unable to let go of those things uh, and grab hold of a new thing that's different because it means letting go of another thing. Uh, I think this, the sunk cost fallacy, influences us in uh, more ways than we would wish to like. Uh, I, I know these days uh, mobile phone games are great at causing this little relationship to happen. Everyone knows if they play too many games on their phone uh, that it's generally not good for the rest of life. But the more you play a game, the more it hooks you into. And you, uh, with these games, uh, like, you know, I've played some here and there, that they build you over time to have this great resource. And you've invested all this resource, all this time into it. So how can you possibly give it up now that you've invested all this time into it? And so... In order to embrace something new, sometimes you need to give it up. Uh, in life, all of us have invested time into uh, developing who we are as a person, uh, the gifts, skills, maybe we're good at certain sports, maybe certain topics are, are our thing. Uh, maybe we invest all of our time and our thinking into certain subject matters that we watch lots of TV. So we've got a sunk cost there. To be surprising to the world, sometimes we need to give up things that we have been precious with in order to grab on to the offering of life. For someone who's going to follow Jesus, there's a big uh, thing that they need to give up, a way of thinking, a way of living, in order to grab hold of life. And if we're to be surprising to the world... Sometimes it means that we're less precious with money. That dollar symbol is, is literal. And, and we, we say, God, this money I have, I want to bless other people with it. That's surprising to the world because they don't uh, see costly life where it costs you in order to bless others as the way to live life, as the good life. But as you do it, as you give money away, uh, I've generally found that it, that it feels better to give it away than to hold on to it. The cost of creating our own perfect world is great. Sometimes we need to let go of it in order to step into an uncomfortable space and serve Jesus. Our mission as a church is to make mature and mobilize fully formed disciples of Jesus. So my question to us this morning is, will, will you bear the cost? Will I bear the cost? Will we bear the cost of living differently, of stepping into discomfort, of having conversations you don't feel comfortable in, of doing reading and thinking that, requires work and effort when you're tied by the 
the rest of the things of this world, will we bear the cost together of choosing what is less comfortable so that the world may find a hope that is eternal? Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord God, you, you call us uh, into life with you. Uh, you call us to carry our cross and, and follow you. And I, I think in many ways uh, we're all still discovering what that looks like. Uh, Lord, none of us are doing this perfectly, Lord. And uh, what you ask of us is just to take one step with you. You ask us to be renewed in our minds, renewed in our hearts. Uh, Lord, where we look at the cost of, of following you, and uh, the, sometimes it can seem overwhelming to do things differently or to do more than what we have done. Help us, Lord, as a church to be led by your Spirit. Help us, Lord, uh, as we live in this world, uh, to be led by your Spirit. Uh, help us to make costly decisions. Help us to do it together. Uh, help us to try new things. And show us your way, Jesus, for, for us, in our time, our age, with who we are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.